Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of You Press Play Sports. I'm your host and news editor, Richard Pereira. Joining me today is sports editor, Cameron Priester, and staff writer, Zachary Watts. Hey, guys, how's it been going this past week, especially with a bye week for football? Um, you know, I guess a bye week is a good thing. Um, get some much-needed time off. Things haven't been necessarily going great as of late. Um, you know, still some good outlooks for the other sports, though. Um, we've been playing well in regards to soccer. But, I mean, overall in the sports world, it's always good when something's gone. Always have something to watch. So, But, I mean, in terms of football, which we'll get into in a minute, um, I think this bye week is much needed. Yeah, it's um much needed bye week for the football team. Hopefully they can um you know work on some things, clean some stuff up. But we got a lot to talk about with them in um soccer. We had a decent slate of NFL games this weekend, so a lot to talk about. Yeah, and when it comes to FU football, which we'll start off with first, they did have a bye week, uh, entering the half midway point of their season with a two two and four record. Uh, which is obviously not the best, not the not an ideal start for them, but they do come back uh, this Saturday on October 15 at 6 p.m. as they take on the Rice Owl, the University of Rice Owls, for a homecoming weekend. So, what are expectations heading into into this game, especially after the bye week? Um, I mean, from an opponent's perspective, first, um, Rice surely isn't a pushover. Um, they played some competitive games against some quality opponents. Um, I think they were within one score of Houston, um, who's a previously ranked team coming into the beginning of the year. Um, they consistently put up points offensively, um, although they do give up a good amount of points as well, so their games always seem to be somewhat close. I think what will be very telling for us coming out of the bye week is how much we've actually prepared uh, game plan-wise. Um, I know as of recent, we've been giving away a lot of points offensively, whether that be turning the ball over and setting up for big returns. Um, you know, on defense, we've been giving up too many long drives. You know, I've been seeing touchdown drives of 70, 80 yards, you know, especially coming off the turnovers. It's just not being able to put things together. Um, like we said, looking for some consistency. Rice surely is an opponent that we're not going to look over at all by any means. I mean, I don't think we... I don't think we have the availability to look over any team anyway. I think the way we've been playing all year, um, if any team plays their best football, they can probably match up with us, um, which isn't the best to say, but it's a realistic outlook. Um, we have to be on our A game at all times. And especially since this is a home game, we're back at home. I know we've been away the past um, two weeks with Purdue and North Texas, but you know now it's time to really lock in in front of the home crowd and show how we can improve coming off some much needed rest. Yeah, I just want to echo how much Zach said. Don't overlook Bryce. Um, they're not a pushover. They played Houston, who has a very good offense. They played them close. Um, they have a very good defensive line. And, you know, that's kind of running the ball is kind of where FAU has, like, excelled a lot in games. So um, maybe it's, it's it will be good to try to get Coachy started early kind of get some of those layup throws to get his confidence back. Um, but um, just get started early. And whenever, if you, when you do go up, don't let your foot off the gas. Don't start making silly penalties. Um, just don't over, this is a good team. Don't overlook them. We can't afford them. 
Yeah, I definitely agree with you guys, um, especially when it comes to Rice. Last year, they were four and eight, and now they have a three and two record. So it's pretty clear how much a difference a year makes for how, how much difference a year made for Rice, especially with the improvements they made throughout the past year. And, and regarding that defensive line, it's pretty clear that FEU's running game is going to have a huge task to fulfill when it comes to taking on that defensive line. So I do agree with you, Cameron, that they should get Nicosi Perry started very early on in the game. Um, getting a couple of passes to LaJante Wester, who was leading the country at some point in receiving touchdowns. And he's still in the top three. He's currently tied for second with eight receiving touchdowns. So making sure that he gets those passes, passes to, to Wester or Jamal Edrin or on occasion, uh, Jaquan Burton, that should be a, a high priority for Perry to really get into a good rhythm at, like to start the game and uh, once again the game will take place on October 15 this Saturday at 6 p.m at home uh, and for those watching at home will it the broadcast will be on ESPN plus so be sure to cheer on your FAU owls not the rice owls so moving on from FU football we have FU men's soccer and even though they had a, a hard time with the University of Tulsa, who was ranked 14th in the country at the time, suffering a 3-0 defeat, they did have some major improvements taking on Charlotte, who was ranked number 13 in the country. After going down two zip in the first half, they scored two goals in the last 10 minutes of the game to get a 2-2 draw, which allowed them to get a point in conference play, which right now has them at fifth in the conference. So how do we think of men's soccer at this point of the season? Um, I mean, like we said last time out, it would be a tough slate of games coming up against two ranked opponents. Um, in terms of the Tulsa game, you know, traveling's always hard, especially going to another conference opponent. Um, but I think one of the consistent issues I'm seeing in both of these games is some really excruciating slow starts um, in both sides, you know, in the Tulsa game, it was almost impossible to overcome. We had gone down um, so early. I mean, I believe we were, yeah, we had given up a goal like right away in that one and then turn around in the second half, um, just giving up a goal with 11 seconds left. So, I mean, technically we should have only lost two nil, but obviously once you're down that much, your energy level is kind of dying out. Um, but, you know, then you come back and you play another ranked opponent in um, Charlotte, go down 2 nothing again, you know, extremely slow start. But suddenly you're able to wake up in the second half and you're able to get a draw out of it, which is extremely helpful. Um, you know, it's always helpful to not lose games. Um, you never want to lose, especially against conference opponents. Um, but, you know, I think the entire thing that I've kind of been seeing all year is just that first half kind of like wake up like we kind of get in the games we're not really fully on the offensive I don't know if we're trying to just like feel teams out and then really explode in the second half I, I can't really say exactly what our game plan is going into it I, obviously you never want to go down in any scenario but um like I in terms of shot differential in both games you know in the Tulsa game we got completely outmatched in shots um, we were barely even able to get any offensive possession and then the second one, it was just making the shots count. I mean, we only outshot Charlotte in the second half, um, nine to six, I believe. 
and we were able to convert two goals there. So that was extremely helpful to get that done. Um, you know, not the results you're really looking for, especially against ranked opponents, but I mean, then again, it's better than coming back home 0-2. Um, so there's always a silver lining in these games. So I'm glad we were able to pull a draw, draw out of at least one of them. I don't think we have any more ranked opponents, I believe. Yeah, no more ranked opponents. So I'm, in my eyes, that means the scheduling will get a little bit easier, which is always good. Um, so yeah, maybe they can use that to kind of help lift their spirits. Know the quality product that they're capable of. You know, you've played ranked opponents. You saw what you can do against them. So now let's see how you perform against some lesser opponents. How can you put it together and that maybe eliminate the slow starts, really come out and take it to some of these teams, um, finishing it out. Yeah, that um, that Colts loss was rough, you know, but the top 25 team on the road you're taking on, you kind of got to just take some of those losses to the chin. But I said on here before that I'm not like big on moral victories, but you kind of have to feel pretty good about um, playing a very, very good Charlotte team who's also in the top 15. You've got to feel good about playing them well. Um, and hopefully they can kind of take that into the next game, which is Temple, who's really struggled this year. They're sitting at 2-7-2 and two right now overall. They've yet to win a conference game. Uh, they've yet to win on the road. And they're coming here. So, um as long as, like you said, they can they can get started early, um, not put themselves in a situation like Charlotte where they have to kind of like string together a bunch of goals in the final 10 minutes. They, sh they should be able to, um, you know, get past Temple this week. Yeah, definitely. And I do agree with you, Zach, that I do feel that this team is testing out opponents in the first half, then going all out in the second half. But I think that's just making the right adjustments to ensure that they have the best chance of uh, getting a uh, scoring goals and probably getting a win here and there. But yeah, I do think uh, that this team plays much better when they make the, pro the proper adjustments to prepare for the second half and be at their possible best. And as you said, Cameron, they do take on Temple uh, this Friday, October 14th at 7 p.m. Temple, as you said, two seven and two record. They're in the bottom of the American Athletic Conference this season. So um, it should be expected for FEU to come out with a win on Friday. But we do have to remember that uh, they did lose to North Florida 1-0, who was winless at that point. So it should be important for FEU to not underestimate teams who had who have yet to win a game in either the regular season or conference play this season. And moving on from men's soccer, we have women's soccer. And women's soccer, uh, this past Friday, October 7th, against UTEP, dominated in very convincing fashion, winning 6-0 with help from a hat-trick from Thelma Hermans-Dotier, scored three goals, which was the first time since 2019 that an FEU player was able to score three goals in a game. So uh, what are our thoughts on women's soccer dominating the way they did uh, last Friday? Um, in terms of competition, you know, it's not really something I'd consider something marking down on your calendars outside of it being senior night. Um, I want to give a huge shout out to our seniors. You know, they performed exceptionally well tonight mm -hmm. and they've always been a huge factor for the team throughout the year. Um, 
to be on the team for that long, you know, always means something to them. So the fact that they were able to put up this amount of points in this matchup probably meant a lot to them. Um, like you said, you brought up the hat trick. That was huge for us. Um, Haley Landris also getting a goal. And then um, Ellen also getting her first goal on the year as well. Um, so congrats to her as well. But, I mean, you kind of just handled business as you would expect from a senior night game. You know, you I don't want to say you schedule anyone like super easy, but you schedule someone who you think you can beat. So that way you give your chance to seniors to really play and perform in front of the home crowd. Um, and we did exactly that. You know, it wasn't one of those games where we played under expectations. I think we played exactly how we should have. We controlled the pace the entire time, got ahead early and often, um, completely blew them out of the water. I mean, six nil is extremely impressive. Um, and that's only going to raise the team morale. Um, I think that's exactly what you wanted to do. That's kind of what you envisioned for your senior night. And it kind of gives you that mental push going in the rest of the year. I know we have another away game in Kentucky against uh, Western Kentucky. And then, you know, we only have two more home games left, but the rest of our opponents are Conference USA games. So it is extremely important that we finish these games off strong. I'm extremely happy for our seniors, extremely happy for the women's soccer team for the way that they've been playing thus far this year. And um, I'm really hoping they can finish things out strong. Yeah, it's it's just awesome to see that for um, the seniors on their senior night. Um, it was just is dominated in every phase of the game. Um, Thelma had the hat trick and twenty two uh, shots by FAU compared to zero is just kind of crazy stat line. Um, I just think it's like this is like the perfect time for a win like this. You know, they have they're in a good spot in the conference standings and they have only four games left they win like this is like you said good for morale um as they are finishing out this season hopefully that um uh they don't as they go on the road to um western kentucky this week um they haven't they're four and they have they only have one loss at home and four wins um so their strength has kind of been at home um but hopefully they can um you know kind of keep it rolling on the road in western kentucky this week yeah definitely and while shouldn't it be expected for them to, to take 22 shots with 12 on target every game, it shouldn't at all. But as long as they keep up, keep up that type of pace offensively, they should be in a good place in conference play. Their next two games will be this Thursday, October 13th at 7 p.m. in Bowling Green, Kentucky, taking on Western Kentucky. And they return home on Sunday, October 16th at 1 p.m. to take on Louisiana Tech. So... Best of luck to the Lady Owls, and hope, hopefully they improve their standing in conference play as they are fifth in the conference, which they're, while it's basically in the middle, they are still very good as one of those teams in the conference. And that concludes our section with FU Sports. Now we move on to national sports, and we head on to the NFL. Well, a lot of things have happened this past week. Uh, a very bad offensive game Thursday night between the Denver Broncos and uh, uh, the the Colts. Yeah, the Colts, the Colts. Mm. <laughs> um, who was more trash, Russell Wilson or uh, Matt Ryan? Um, you know, I'm going to have to say Russell Wilson in this regard. And the reason I say that, look, I know they came out with a report saying he's dealing with shoulder injury, even, I think, a strained pack muscle you can say all these excuses for injuries that you want but look if you pay a quarterback a quarter of a billion dollars 
I'm going to expect you to win a lot of football games. And it's going to, a lot of it is going to come down to your shoulders. Like, what are you able to do in these games? You know, um, I'm going to say overall, the primetime games on Thursday night football. Um, I know this is Amazon Prime's first year, but man, did they get dealt a bad hand in terms of <laughs> quality production. I mean, if you want to look at it overall, I mean, every game thus far has just been bad. And then even the Thursday night game this week, I mean, commanders at bears like oh my is it like is there any other day i you don't want to turn it into football anymore what are you talking about commanders (laughs) bears is going to be game of the year what are you talking about (laughs) oh we'll we'll see um you know i i for my sake i hope so you know i always enjoy watching football especially this time of year so you know maybe justin fields will throw over 200 yards um i am looking forward to brian robinson being back um so that's always good. But, yeah, in terms of Thursday night football, especially this post-Broncos game, that was just – that was terrible. I did bet um, under 42-and-a-half and Alex Pierce over 37-and-a-half. So both those bets hit for me. So I was happy at least getting what I deserved um, out of that. Oh, um, yeah. I'm, to answer your question, Rich, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to agree with Zach on, on Russ. I don't think, like – anyone was going out there really expecting Matt Ryan to kind of light it up. Neither, to be fair, neither was anybody was expecting really Russ, but like you said, like when you're getting paid as much as he is, you're kind of expected to make even a struggling receiver room like his look good. Um, And it it just wasn't, it was terrible to watch through the entire thing. Um, Yeah. You got to be better than that if you're getting paid that much, but for this Thursday, it's sorry, NFL fans. It's, it's going to be another brutal one. Um, the Bears, they Justin Fields looked improved um, on Sunday. He's uh, he's being better at getting the ball out faster. He's being better at not sticking to his first read and like working through the progression to the second and third reads. But um, he has no help at all. There's multiple really bad drops he had. One of the, probably the best plays of his career, uh, like a, probably a 45, 50 yard touchdown run called back because of a block in the back. Um, he has no supporting cast at all. I've, although Nikhil Harry is finally off um, injury reserve, so he'll make his Bears debut. Um, it's going to be another brutal one, that's for sure. And another thing I want to talk about is how the, the new concussion protocols for the NFL are being implemented. And Coincidentally, it happened to the Miami Dolphins once again. Um, against the New York Jets, Teddy Bridgewater went down. And while video showed he wasn't really stumbling, uh, he was still taking out the game for due to concussion protocols. And Dolphins had to deal with uh, Skyler Thompson, their third-string quarterback, as they couldn't pull out the win in New York, as the Jets are pretty, pretty solid this season. So... How do, how do we – what are our thoughts on the on the new concussion protocols for the NFL? Oh, if it isn't the consequences of my actions. Um, you know, <laughs> if you would have just handled the Tua situation better, you wouldn't have had to lose your backup as well. Um, you kind of – you kind of see the NFL now being caught in a backpedal a little bit. You know, now they're so scared of being brought up in any more scandals and any more issues when it comes to players' health that you kind of have to be on the defensive um you know i watched the play multiple times you know sauce gardner came off the edge blew bridgewater up but big hits are part of the game um 
And, you know, I know we want to protect quarterbacks, but we kind of see how protecting the quarterbacks really affected the game overall this week. Um, you know, we saw in the Raiders Chiefs game, how was that a roughing the passer? We saw in the Falcons Bucks game, how was that a roughing the passer? I do not know. Um, but then again, it's just like, I want to, I want to get mad at the officials, but they're trained and taught to call the game a certain way. And that's more on the rule set that we have in place for these players. And it's just not a quality product, you know, like how, what else do you want edge rushers to do when attacking the quarterback? What, how else do you want them to approach it? Like these are players too. They suit up just like any other position. You know, we don't, we don't protect running backs when they get blown up by linebackers. We don't really care that much when a wide receiver gets blown up over the middle. Like we're really picking and choosing who we choose to protect in this league. It seems like, and it, it it's just not, it's not fun to watch. You know, I, I want a quality product. I want competitive games. And the last thing I want is for fan bases to say, Oh, well, the only reason we lost is because we got, you know, got a couple of calls against us like that. that that's not how it should be. That that's not how it should be. Yeah. Yeah, for once, I kind of feel for uh, officials and the NFL because they're kind of put in a weird position where they want to protect the players, but they also want to preserve, you know, the game and, you know, the physicality of the game, but in a safe way. And it, it, it just really sucks because you 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 see uh, the thing or the situation with Teddy – where he is like kind of forced out of the game. I, we're not doctors. We I'm I'm not sure if it's came out whether he has a concussion or not. But he was forced out of the game for because of the concussion protocol. Um, and that that's just being safe. And but on the other hand, you have these rules that are trying to keep the quarterback safe that are affecting the outcomes of games. And it's it's just it's just, it's just stinks because it's the game's changing and um you know it's we're trying to protect the players but we also want to we want to see football you see michael parsons on twitter talking about oh if we're gonna this is how it's gonna be we might as well change it to seven on seven and he has a point like <laughs> football it's it's called the blood score for a reason it's a physical game um but we do want to keep um players safe so i just hope the league can kind of find a common ground to where uh, players are safe, but still. Yeah, I will say um, in regards to the new helmets, I don't really know if they're that much safer because I'm seeing a lot more guys collapse due to, I guess, concussion-like symptoms or just completely losing cognitive function in what seems to be the most normal plays that I've seen, at least. You know, we kind of saw it um, – with Naheem Hines, you know, it didn't look like a crazy head injury, but just randomly collapsed. Um, you know, we're seeing it throughout the league with the new helmets. Um, you know, I don't know if it's because of the helmets. I don't know if players are hitting harder. I, I don't know exactly what it is. I hope that they took a deep look into it because I've never seen so many players just like not be able to gain composure in games. You know, it feels, you know, maybe our attention is just drawn to it more. I suppose um, that could be reasoning, but at the end of the day, it just looks like more and more players are just having worse and worse head injuries, and I don't know why. It's really confusing to me. I'm really glad you brought that up, Zach, because I was watching the Colts game 
like a hawk towards the beginning because I had nine lines starting in fantasy this week. And I originally missed that hit on nine lines. And when I went back and watched it, I was like, it, it just didn't look, it, it looked, he got, he got hit, you know, he got a nice thud, but it didn't look something like that's, like that serious of a hit. And he's, he was wearing one of those new Power Ranger looking futuristic helmets. And it's like, maybe you're right. Like, are these, cause it's, it seems like it, this season, especially, it's like, um, abnormal number of it. Maybe there is something. Yeah, definitely. And as we look at the other games across the league, uh, the Giants off to a very good start, stealing a win against Green Bay, uh, 27-22. Uh, the Bills in cruise control, taking down the Steelers 38-3, with Josh Allen throwing for 442 yards. The Browns continuing to lose again, 30-28 to to the Chargers. Uh, the Patriots shutting down Jared Goff, 29-zip. And we have already talked about the, the Dolphins-Jets game. Uh, the Bucks surviving 21-15 against Atlanta despite a late comeback from them. And the Eagles staying undefeated with a 20-17 win. And, of course, as we mentioned, Monday night uh, football between the Chiefs and Raiders with the Chiefs squeezing by 30-29. to 29. So it's definitely an interesting set of games. And I did watch the Monday night game. And it was, a, despite all the controversy, I did have fun seeing the Chiefs uh, explode offensively in the second half to come back and win it. So it was a very good game overall. Yeah. Um, I'll say a couple things about some quarterbacks here. First of all, in the Giants-Packer game, unfortunately, I think Daniel Jones is playing just under poor performance enough to keep his job for another year, which I don't know if it's going to help the Giants, but I don't really think he's the answer for them. Um, another question I have is if Cooper Rush upsets the Eagles and takes a loss away from them, what is that quarterback situation going to look like? And Maybe. lastly, what I'm, <laughs> yes. Um, and the last thing I'll say um, in regards to the Chiefs Raiders game, you know, I think I think the analytics could tell Josh McDaniels that jumping out of a four story building would get him to the ground faster than taking the stairs. And he'd probably jump out of the four stories. Um, I am so against analytics and football these days, especially like it, read read your surroundings understand the situation you're in there's no reason you go for two there there is no reason because even if you get it you the chiefs are still going to drive down and score anyway why why put yourself in that situation um but yeah i mean that's all pretty much i have to say about this week of games i'm interested what you guys think about cooper rush the analytics all of it but geez poor i'll take a stab at both of those um i think it's going to be ugly in Dallas um, if Cooper Rush wins that. Because this is kind of a similar situation to how Dak took over um, from Romo. It's not, not the exact same, but, you know, Romo wasn't exactly performing. And they have, you know, this talent on the bench that is showing flashes, you know, and that, that fan base is ruthless and kind of, forced the Cowboys hand and then ended up with Dak. So I wonder how that's kind of going to play out because um, with Dak getting paid, um, 
yeah, that'll be that'll just be interesting um, to see. As far as the Monday night game, the more I think about it, the more I kind of I don't I don't want to say I'd go for two because in a vacuum I wouldn't, but I kind of understand it a little more because they're down by they're down by one. If they get the two point conversion, you like you said they're not gonna really stop them from driving down into field goal range. If they make a stop, it's more than likely going to be a turnover of some some sort. If they get the turnover, they don't really have – and they got that two-point conversion, they're not going to have to, you know, go back and score again. But it, like you said, like analytics, there's like a million different ways to look at it. So I don't, I don't necessarily fault McDaniels. Um, I will say about him is they have got to scheme up way to get someone other than Devontae Adams the ball that that late touchdown he had he was like that was a terrible that was not a good idea to throw he was double covered and it was it was a ended up being a good throw and he made a great catch but it seems like Derek Carr just can't figure out any like other way to get the ball out through the air to anybody other than Devontae and they have other options like they have Renfro but it just seems like they can't figure out how to use those Mm-hmm. and we do have a little more time and i think we can talk a little bit about the nba so preseason is about to end this week uh the season opener is like this tuesday on the uh, next tuesday on the 18th and what are our expectations heading into the season for some for certain teams in the league um I'm going to say this. I think everyone's seen the videos of the projected number one overall pick. I think we are going to see some of the nastiest tanking we've ever seen in our lives. I think we, yeah. like we are going, we are going to see some like old Knicks lineups rolled out when they used to pull out Luke Cornett. Um, I only reason I bring him up is because he's a cousin of mine and I just like to take a stab at him, but um yeah, like we're just going to see some lineups where like once they realize they're not in playoff contention, they're, they're going to be, rolling out some G League lineups, and it's going to be terrible to tune into. But personally, I don't think the fan bases are going to mind. You know, in their minds, they're like, look, tank all you want, you better get him. You better sign him. We've seen his prowess as a seven-footer. He has the playmaking ability. He can shoot threes, um, spot up and on the move. Um, We've seen his defense in the paint and on the perimeter. Like, he's just a a complete anomaly to the game. You know, it was almost like watching – Christoph Porzingis, when he came into the league, obviously not as good anymore. But like when he first came on the scene, how much of a unicorn he truly was. I think we're kind of getting the same vibes from this guy. Um, I truly think he is incredible. I can't wait to see him in the league. But um, in terms of the quality product that the NBA is going to start rolling out for this season, it, it may get ugly. Yeah, I completely agree. He's It's insane to watch, you know, someone – with his like build and size, like move with the ball and shoot from outside, like the way he does. And um, yeah, they're going to be a, a bunch of teams um, going after, after that pick. I just hope for his own sake, um, Webin Yana, I hope I pronounced that right. Um, that kind of the media stops with the, Oh, he's already, a, he's like a, better prospect than LeBron James. Like, let's just not do that to him because it's a a crazy game they play. A lot of things can happen. And just, like, let's not put, like, 
that um, those expectations on them. Let's just let them play basketball. Let's let them um, just just let them enjoy this process um, without those kind of unnecessary expectations. But um, I like I think um, I kind of agree with like the, like you said the product of the NBA we're gonna see kind of because of that. Uh, there's been complaints in the past that like the um, regular season games are just not a very good quality product. A lot of blowouts. Um, a lot of dudes. Uh, not a lot of star players. Um, sitting out with like the kind of load management. But um, you know, I, I think I think um, we'll kind of see some of the, sort of like the, the same names. Um, I think the the Bucks are just gonna kind of. As far as the East are gonna can kind of continue to dominate, I th- I think they'll be um, a team we'll be looking out late for. It. Yeah. yeah, and as we look at the Victor and Wembanyama sweepstakes, I I do think the San Antonio Spurs are the clear front runners to get them. Like I I think they don't uh, uh, compared to all the rosters, I think they have the worst and are pretty much geared towards having the worst, re- one of the worst records we've seen in NBA history, even though they have Greg Popovich being their head coach. But I don't think Popovich would mind as long he, as he gets Weminyama for the number one pick. So, and of course the Utah Jazz will be in the running there. It's pretty clear they're in rebuild mode after trading away Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell. Um, they'll definitely be in the running for that. Uh, the OKC Thunder is also in the hunt for the lottery projections. So, and the Indiana Pacers, Detroit Pistons, Orlando Magic, those are teams you should look out for when it comes to being in the hunt for the lottery. And as we look at the rest of the NBA, uh, as you mentioned, Cameron, the Bucks, uh, for me, the Celtics, I think those two teams should be in the top two of the Eastern Conference. And the Western Conference, I personally think it's going to be a bloodbath. There's like a lot of teams that are pretty good and a lot of teams that and a couple of teams who could miss out, even though they don't technically have terrible rosters, so to speak. So, and with the Lakers having retooled their roster, going from old last year to to younger this year, uh, and then the Clippers, if they're at full strength, they are potential title contenders, especially with adding John Wall during the offseason. It's definitely going to be an interesting regular season to watch. Yeah, um... You know, sorry to touch back up on the lottery sweepstakes, but you brought up OKC, and I just completely remembered how they have nearly 2,000 um, picks. How much picks do you think they'd be willing to give up to get that number one overall pick? How, and if you're, if you're a team with the number one overall pick, how much are you – like, how many picks would it take for you to give up that first overall pick? Because, I mean, either way, I feel like you're sitting in a pretty solid position, but – I. I, I wish I could pull it up right now. Um, how many protected and unprotected picks the OKC have right now? It's not too important. I just know it's a lot. But in regards to that, um, I think that'll be really interesting to see how that plays out. You know, there'll be a lot of pre-draft movement with picks. Um, but back to what you said about each conference. You know, given the Celtics situation um, with the whole Emi Okuda stuff, um, I don't really want to touch on that. It already angers me thinking about it, but. Um, you know, you sign Blake Griffin, you know, it seems like their roster is more bolstered up to have the correct pieces. It's just whether or not they can be coached up. Um, personally, this better be a Jason Tatum MVP season, especially after how disappointed I was with the finals performance. 
Um, but you know, I I hope I hope Draymond Green um, beats his triple single allegations just to spite Jordan Poole. I, I I'm I'm the biggest Jordan Poole hater. I, I will stand by that. I'm not a fan of him. I think he's getting a little too arrogant. Um, he's a great player, but I just think he's a little cocky um, as far as playing style goes right now. Um, as far as your um, question about OKC, I think I'd be willing to give up a, a good bit of those because it feels like they kind of have their like young base a little bit going already with um with, uh, with Shy and Josh Giddy and hopefully Chet works out for them. I I think he is. I think he's another really really special uh, kind of prospect they got. But as far as the West, I think I don't want to say it's wide open because I think the Warriors are going to be, even with all like this kind of drama that's going on, I think it's kind of getting blown out of proportion. Um, just a little bit. Um, I, I think they'll be in contention for the West. I'm interested to see kind of how um, the Suns uh, look. They've been kind of disappointing in the postseason, but um it just they still kind of their base is still kind of same. I'm just interested to see with all like the kind of drama they've had going on off the court, um, in the off season, if that plays a role. I'm not big on the Lakers going into this year. Um, LeBron's gonna be LeBron. I'm sure he'll still light up the stat sheet, but I think they're kind of putting lipstick on a pig with the moves they made on the off season. I don't think they kind of address like the major flaws of that team so um also uh, with the the wolves what are they going to look like the timberwolves um they got rudy i really like anthony brown um so it'll be interesting to see what the west yeah it'll definitely be interesting to see how the regular season goes no matter what at the end of the day with that that'll be it for this episode of you press play sports make sure to hit like and subscribe Click the bell to keep up with notifications from us. Also, be sure to go on upressonline.com to keep up with news, sports, and more content alike. To follow us on Twitter, it's for me, at Rich26Pereira, for Cameron, at PriesterCameron, and for Zach, at ZachWatts1 underscore. Thanks for watching, everybody, and have a great day.